they give their gifts unto the Lord. Well, we have some scriptures here to read. If you'd be upstanding for the reading of God's Word, we're going to open up book of Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through to verse 11. Romans chapter 6, 1 through to 11. Give honour to the ministry as well. Every saint of God here today. Tremendous to share this service with you. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through to verse 11. Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died, in, died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptised into Christ were baptised into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once and for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How many are thankful for that portion of text here this morning? So I've got a graphic here with the help of the Lord this morning. I want to preach to you on this thought, more than a memory. Turn to your neighbour and say, more than a memory. Why don't we put our Bibles down, lift our hands towards heaven. If you are an apostolic, would you pray with me here this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful for what we feel here in this place. For your word declares where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, Lord Jesus. And we feel your presence here today, Lord God. I pray that you'd loose my lips, allow me to preach with anointing. And I pray you'd prepare every heart here in this place that we would not just hear with ears, but we would receive your word into our spirit that what we hear may change what we do and what we do might glorify you, Lord Father. So I pray right now that you'd have your hand upon this service. Let your will be done. Let yourself be glorified in Jesus' Name. Everybody said... Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we take our seats. Amen. You may sit if you promise to preach with me. It's looking pretty good. Amen. Well, built on the apex of Mount Corcovado in central Rio de Janeiro, stands Christ the Redeemer. And I have an image here if they can put it up, which is one of the most renowned landmarks on earth. For those that don't know, Christ the Redeemer is one of the seven new wonders of the world and it's so popular that it draws several million people every single year. This incredible monument was strategically placed, as you can see here, at the summit of Mount Corcovado to ensure it would be visible from anywhere and everywhere in Rio. Such was the significance of this structure in its city that it said that the property of real estate is not driven by proximity to coastline or not driven by proximity to the water, but indeed it's driven by the visibility and the proximity to Christ the Redeemer. Christ the Redeemer stands 38 metres tall weighs over 630 tonnes and has withstood multiple lightning strikes every single year since it was built. It has stood through world wars, stood through over 36,000 days and has been visited by more than 250 million 
people in its lifetime. As you can see here, this object is majestic. It's impressive. It's something that you can tick off on your bucket list as something that I did. I went to see Christ the Redeemer. And while all of these things are true, and it is indeed impressive, Christ the Redeemer is after all only an object. The very definition of a memorial is an object or a structure that attempts to preserve the memory of something or somebody. And the truth is that memorials are nothing if they do not cause one to reflect on the very thing that they are attempting to memorialise. If you were to go to uh, Auschwitz or one of the concentration camps in, in Germany, it would compel you to reflect on the millions of lives that were lost in those concentration camps, in those gas chambers. Amen. If you were to go to the Martin Luther King Jr. statue in Washington, D.C., it ought to compel you to think about his life of action activism and what he did in the area of civil rights and in his indeed his ministry and finally if you were to go to Italy and and I hope to one day go to Italy and if you were to visit Michelangelo's famous piece David the statue of David it would compel you to think about the life and the ministry of David memorials compel you to consider the very thing that they are celebrating and they ought to be powerful and they are powerful if the thing that they are attempting to memorialise is worthy of celebration. Located in our nation's capital is the Australian War Memorial. How many here have been to the Australian War Memorial in their life? The Australian War Memorial is one of uh, the most powerful things I believe that you can visit in our country and it's powerful because it compels us to look back and consider the sacrifice and the bravery and the courage of all of our fallen soldiers. It, it is indeed one of the most powerful things that you can do and I would encourage anybody that hasn't, uh, you know, there's more to Canberra than endless roundabouts, you can actually go and look at the Australian War Memorial. It's a powerful place to go. But the Australian War Memorial is not powerful because it's a beautiful structure and an impressive structure and it's all of those things. The War Memorial is powerful because etched in steel at that memorial are the names of every single fallen soldier that has lost their life in service for this country. That's the reason that the War Memorial is so very powerful. The way in which it compels us to celebrate and reflect upon not the structure but the lives of people that have been lost serving in battle in this country. Amen. So as I was reading about Christ the Redeemer monument, uh, when I was doing a little bit of research, I could not help but wonder how many people that visit this site are more impressed with the sight of the statue than they are the man that is standing there. Amen. I could not help but wonder if there is as much appetite for the presence of Jesus, the true Jesus, as there is an appetite for a selfie in front of Christ the Redeemer. Can somebody say amen? I could not help wonder if as much thought is given to the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ when he was on earth as is given to taking the perfect picture with the perfect angle, with the perfect lens in front of Christ the Redeemer. Come on, come on, someone say amen to that. I believe that we miss the point sometimes because there is no intrinsic power in a 100 foot structure that's made out of reinforced concrete. I'll tell you where the power comes from. The power comes from the life of a man named Jesus who died for you and I. The power comes because Jesus Christ sacrificed it all, shed his blood that you and I might have life and life more abundant. That's what's powerful about that structure is it memorializes or is a picture of Jesus Christ who did it all at the cross for you and I praise God the power is in a man who said greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends that's where the power is of the man Jesus Christ there is more power in that than there is in 635 tons of reinforced concrete standing at the apex of Mount Corcovada because that's just an object but what Jesus did for you and I was eternal 
What am I saying to you here this morning? I'm saying that this Easter weekend is nothing if it does not compel us to consider the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave for us on Calvary because there is no statue, there is no monument, there is no physical landmark that could ever do justice to what Jesus Christ did for you and I because He gave us life and life more abundant. There is no way that you can build a physical structure that does justice justice to the awesomeness of the sacrifice Jesus gave us. Come on. If you're thankful for what He did, would you put your hands together here today? The world looks at a 635 reinforced reinforced concrete structure. We come today to celebrate a Saviour who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. While the world's busy eating Easter eggs and stuffing their mouth with chocolate, we come to the house of God and lift up our hands and we rejoice in a God who gave us everything, who gave us the ability to live and breathe. While the world goes camping, all they're thinking about is how we can relax. We come together and do our best to honour the legacy and the ministry of our God. And I'll tell you one more thing, I'm not just going to do that on Easter weekend or on Sunday. I can't wait eight months in between. I'm going to do it every single second of every single minute, of every single day, of every single week, of every single month, of every single year. And I'll do it next year and the year after that because He has given me life daily. How can I wait eight months to show my appreciation to a God that allows me to wake up to new mercies and new grace every single day? How can I wait eight months to do that? I can't wait eight months to do that. Because visiting a statue is not a way to honour God for what He has given us. Tattooing your favourite psalm into your skin is not a way to honour God for what He has done for us. Wearing a piece of rose gold jewellery hanging off a chain in the form of a cross is not a way to honour God for what He has done for us. I'll tell you how we honour God. We honour God by living for Him daily. We honour God by worshipping Him daily. We, we, we do it by waking up every single day and having a relationship with my Saviour. My wife's grandmother on the, her father's side, name was Gaetana Tripoloni. Many of you old timers here would remember her. Well, when I first met my wife and I moved down here the year before we got married, I lived with her for about nine months. I remember her telling me a funny story, so I'm just going to share it now. You see, Nonna used to come into Campsie and deliver 500 flyers to letterboxes every single week, trying to encourage people to come to the house of God. She sat down over lunch one day and said to me, hey Greg, last week when I was catching the bus to come into Campsie, I saw a girl and she was sitting there. You need to understand, Nonna was old school, okay? I'm just going to preface this story. She was old school star. She didn't muck around. She said, I saw this girl sitting there. She was sitting there and she had a chain and she had a cross in the end of that chain. She said, that cross was hanging pretty low that day. So I walked up to that girl in the middle of the bus and I said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm not trying to be rude, but do you think Jesus really wants to be right there? She then pulled out a flyer and said, I think Jesus wants you to come to the house of God. She gave her a flyer. Let me tell you something. We ought to celebrate God, but we don't celebrate God as the world celebrates God. We celebrate God because we have daily relationship with Him. We come to the house of God, not out of religious obligation, but I come to the house of God because I know Him for myself. I don't come to the house of God because my mum and dad tell me to. I come to the house of God because 
when I came out of those waters, He washed my sins away. He washed me white as snow. He removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. And He's done the same for you. And He's done the same for you. And He's done the same for you. That's why you ought to honour God. So I was raised in a secular home, I didn't understand what faith was about. And when I went to school, I'll be honest with you, I thought faith was a myth. I, I could not understand why everybody talked about faith because what I had seen with my own eyes wasn't very powerful. I went to a school in West End, in Brisbane. And I'm not going to divulge the culture or the church, but there is one prevailing culture in West End. And so all the students that went to the school, many of them went to the same church. But I noticed something about those people that went to the church. I only saw them go to church two times a year. They went on Easter and they went on Christmas. And every other week I saw them, I could see no difference between the way they lived and the way I lived. They all had godfathers and godsons and godmothers and goddaughters and godbrothers and godsisters. And I'm not here to, to, uh, to abuse or, or, or challenge any other culture. I'm just simply here to say that there was faith around them, but I could not see faith in them. There was faith all around them, their brothers, their sisters, mum, dad, uncle, but I could not see faith inside of them but you see us apostolics here we have faith inside of us you know how it's inside of us because the spirit of our God is in me I don't need to wear a, a, a chain I don't need ink in my arm to honor Jesus why because the spirit of God is inside of me and the spirit of God is inside of you and if they got rid of their guilt by turning up to church twice a Sunday good for them that's not the type of faith I want to live with the type of faith I want is a relationship relationship daily with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The type of faith I want is I don't have to get dragged to the house of God. I'm going to kick those doors open myself because of what God has done in my life. I'm not here to tear down any other version of faith. We've got to stay humble and just love Jesus, but I'm simply here to say, that if you rely on Psalm 31 being tattooed onto your skin, or if you rely on some sort of ornament, that is not the type of faith I believe that our God wants us to have. Our God wants us to have a personal relationship, amen? And the same can be true here. Let me, I'm not, even in our church here, Praise God, we are some of the most blessed people in the entire world. Why? We get to walk into this every single Sunday. We get to see this beautiful church and musician instruments and all of this sound. We have some of the most gifted singers, some of the most gifted musicians. There are some very good reasons to come to the house of God. You're going to hear some great music. You're going to hear some great preaching. You're going to see some great ministry. But let me ask you this question. Uh, what if that ministry is not there? one day what if we don't have those musicians one day what if you're called to lead a work in the middle of nowhere all you can do is sing a cappella. are you gonna walk away from God no because he's called us to relationship you can take away the building you can take away the guitar you can take away the microphone you will never take away the presence of Jesus amen because it's inside of you And that's a very real dynamic in the apostolic church. We do have some of the best church in the world. And we're blessed to have it. We have quite literally one of the greatest preachers in the world preaching to us every Sunday. But you may not be here forever. So what happens when you leave this environment? Do you leave the presence of Jesus as well? 
It was Lee Stone King that said, if you can pray an hour every single day, you will never leave Jesus Christ. Amen. Because if you can pray an hour a day, you're not relying on great preaching. You're not relying on great singing. You're not relying on great musicianship. You are relying on the author and the finisher of your faith. You're relying on the King of glory. You're relying on Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's who you're relying on. And if that's you, you will never leave the house of God. This is no religious event. Can someone say amen? Amen. This is no religious event. I heard someone say that Easter weekend's the grand final of the church. I don't like that. Because the grand final of a sporting event attracts the greatest crowds. But the week after the grand final, the weekend before the grand final, the stadium's half empty. We celebrate this weekend because of what he does. But I don't need a special weekend to come to the house of God. I don't need an Easter Sunday to get myself to the house of God. We are the apostolic church. We respond to the Spirit of God. We don't respond to a special weekend. We respond to the Spirit of Jesus. You want me to prove that right now? I'll prove it to you right now. I'm grateful as I look over this congregation that our church is full. We ought to be grateful that we have a church that's full of believers. That's wonderful. But I'm even more grateful that last Sunday, it was just as full as it is this Sunday. That tells me that the Spirit-filled believers, we come to the house of God. If the doors are open, I'm coming to the house of God because of what He's done for me. There is a danger in relying on special moments and special events to come to the house of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Turning Point and Uprising and General Conference. I love those things. They are wonderful. But I'm still going to come the next Sunday. If it takes a special service for us to come to the house of God, we are treating those services like an injection of adrenaline that is required to keep us going. But God has called us to daily living. He's called us to draw strength from Him. He's called us to have a prayer closet. He's called us to have a personal relationship with my Saviour. So you can take away the big events. You can take away the, the massive turning points and uprisings. But I will still stand in the presence of Jesus because I don't need an adrenaline, a shot of spiritual adrenaline to get to the house of God. I know who He is. And I'm just like anybody else here. I know that sometimes these special events Preachers come with anointing and revelation. I, I completely understand that. I can understand why people will come and travel here, but I'm talking to the brethren of the Pentecostals of Sydney here for a moment. We need to find a place in our faith where I don't need an incentive to come to the house of God. I'm going to come because I have a divine appointment with my maker in the house of God. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's why when I, back in Brisbane, first stepped into the house of God, my life transformed almost overnight. My friend said, back then, just so you know, they called me Reggie. I don't know why. When I was at school, my nickname was Reggie. Someone started it in grade eight, and it just never left me till I moved to Sydney. So thank you, Sydney, for that. You removed that nickname from me. I couldn't get away. I had teachers saying, Reggie, go to the office. It was annoying. But they said, Reg, what's happened to you? Two weeks ago, you were out with us. Now, we can't find you. 
And right now I'm preaching to some visitors that are here, being here for a short amount of time because this can happen to you as well. When I gave myself to Jesus, the old man died and there was a new creature and that new creature had different affections and different desires. And I'll tell you, life hasn't gone bad since then. God has blessed me since then. I moved down here. I met my beautiful wife, had children. God has blessed me. I want to tell you right, if you're a visitor here, as Galatians 2 says, there is an old man that can die at this altar here. There is an old man whose sins can be buried in that water and what God will do is replace that with something far greater than you came to that altar with. Your affections will change, your desires will change, your life will change. Praise God, we ought to be excited to come to the house of God. We ought to be excited this weekend. I'm talking about as excited as you are when your favourite football team's winning. People always say, oh, but Brother Greg, I'm not a very demonstrative person. Well, that's funny because last Thursday, when your team won the Thursday night football game, I saw you do five laps around the church. How can you be demonstrative when the Brisbane Broncos get thrashed by the Roosters, but not so demonstrative in the house of God? I'll tell you why. You are demonstrative, but your affections need to change. We need to get to a place where we are as moved by the presence of God and as excited by the presence of God as we are our favourite football team. You know why? Brisbane Broncos didn't die for my sins. Jesus Christ died for my sins. My favourite sporting team, my favourite car, my favourite house. None of those things gave me life eternal, but Jesus gave me life eternal. I've yet to meet a young person whose favourite team won and they said, yay, that's great news. No, I see them jumping around because they're so excited. But oh, in the house of God, it's like they're standing in concrete. Don't tell me you can't get excited. Oh, stop now. Some of us, when we first came to the house of God, we could not be contained. Because just the other week, I was in mess, but now God has given me newness of life. But, but it's amazing what happens as the weeks go by and the months go by and the years go by. There were times when I would literally be hanging out for, for service of a Sunday because I knew it was only a few weeks ago that I was in a mess and God dug me out of that. But as the weeks go by and the years go by, sometimes our faith can be dampened down. But I believe it's the will of God for us to somehow find a way to get ourselves on fire for God. Praise God. I believe He's called His church to be on fire for Him. I believe He's called our church to be so on fire that when a first time visitor walks through, they say, wow, these people are absolutely crazy. They're either out of their mind or God is doing something in this place. And I'll tell you, God is doing something in this place. shared this recently when I ministered, but when I went to, with my mother to beautiful church in the Woolen Gabba there, I, I was blown away with the sandstone building and it was just, it was a heritage listed building and it was one of the most beautiful things that you would ever see. Kind of like the Christ, the Redeemer. And I made the mistake of believing that because that was impressive, what was happening on the inside was automatically going to be powerful and it was disappointing that I could be, uh, there was literally not a young person that I could find in that building, praise God. See, the power of what we have here has nothing to do with the aesthetics of this place. The power that we have in this has everything to do with the Spirit of God, amen, that, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and has changed our life and turned our life around. That's the power of what we have in this place. Praise God, because 
You can try your best to memorialize Jesus. But Jesus is one person that can never be memorialized. Because you cannot memorialize something that's still alive. You can memorialize people that have died. You can memorialize uh, powerful uh, secular uh, people. You can memorialize, uh, you know, Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr. You can memorialize inspirational leaders and they have been memorialized, but you cannot memorialize something that is still alive. I don't need a structure to remind me of Jesus. I don't need to fly to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil to be reminded of Jesus. Why? Because He's not dead. He's alive more than that. He's alive in me and He's alive in you and He's alive inside of you. Praise God. How do I know? I can feel Him every day. I can feel Him right now. I can feel Him when I'm at this altar. I felt Him when I went in the waters of baptism. My God's not dead. My God's still alive. That's why we're here today. That's what Resurrection Sunday is, that they thought they killed him. But three days later, he defeated death, burial and the grave. My God lives. You cannot memorialize something that's alive. That's why we have the ability to look back. We can look back at what he did at Calvary. And we should look back at what he did at Calvary. Because at Calvary, he died for you and I. But as Sister Gret said this morning, that's not the end of the story, praise God. Because three days later, he rose again. And the resurrection of Jesus is just as tied to us as the death and burial of Jesus Christ. Let me prove it to you here. Verse 5 of Romans 6, the Bible says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So yeah, we look back because we are planted together in the likeness of what He did at Calvary. His death speaks to our ability to repent and turn from our ways. His burial speaks to our ability to go down the waters of baptism. But his resurrection speaks to our ability to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to live daily with him, praise God. And if Jesus Christ can be resurrected from the dead, that's great news because that means I can be lifted up off the floor. Amen. If Jesus Christ overcame his enemies, that means you and I can overcome our enemies. If Jesus Christ was victorious, guess what? That means you can be victorious. Because his death and burial is not the only thing that speaks to us, but his resurrection speaks to us. Amen? So Jesus is not a memory. Everyone say, Jesus is not a memory. As Jesus overcame, you can overcome. As Jesus was victorious, you can be victorious in your life. As Jesus had more haters than anybody this world has ever seen, yet he succeeded. You too can overcome and defy the people that want to tear you down and bring you down. Amen? Haters can't stop the apostolics. Because not only do we relate to the death and burial, but we relate to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as an apostolic, we have the ability to look back at what he did to us at Calvary and did for us at Calvary, but it doesn't finish there. We also have the ability to look forward, amen. Look forward every single day. I know that because he conquered death, burial and the grave, I can wake up and carry victory. Because he did that, I can do it. Because he overcame, I can overcome. And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. 
His mercies are new every single, every single day that the apostolic spirit-filled believer wakes up. You can wake up and say, Lord, you did it back then. You can do it today. That's why sometimes it saddens me that you see people on fire for God when they're first saved. Five years down the track, they look like they're falling asleep in the house of God. It should not be that way. Why? Because the longer you live for Jesus, the more evidence you have for His goodness. The longer you live for God, the more evidence there is for His power in your life. That's why it's important for us to never forget where we came from. Never forget the life we had before we came to God. We've got short-term memories sometimes. We live for Jesus. We have the favour and the blessings of God. We forget what it was like when we were lost. We forget what it was like when we were down and out. We forget what it was like to be lost in sin. We should remind ourselves of what God did for us. And that's why this weekend is so powerful, because it causes us to look back in the rear vision mirror, amen. It causes us to remember what He did. It causes us to remember the state of our life when we first walked into the house of God. But not only that, it causes us to understand that my future is also secured because of what He did. That because He was resurrected and overcame death, we have the ability, amen, to move forward in Jesus. Musicians, please come. I won't be much longer. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's one of the most powerful things that you can ever read. We get to look back and thank Jesus for absorbing our sin. We're going to do that a little later on. We get to look back at the time in our life when he absorbed our sin. But I can also stand here today knowing that because he rose again, we rise again. That because he rose again, we rise again. That's what the apostolic church has. Is we understand that the spirit is the centerpiece of who we are. That we're not here out of religious obligation or religious tradition. We are here because we are following the Spirit of God. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. That's why we don't just respond to the Easter weekend. That's why we don't need just a special weekend to come to the house of God. We're here because as apostolics, we're called to walk walk daily daily living with Jesus and it's wonderful that in Easter weekends we have visitors praise God because you get to come in and experience the presence of God it's wonderful and if you are a visitor there'll be an altar call a little later on where you can come and spend some time with God and repent but for the spirit filled believers today's another day that Jesus Christ is on the throne another day that Jesus Christ is in control Another day that you can bring your issues before him at this altar and he's still there to hear you and give you power to overcome because Jesus never sleeps he never rests. There is no season in your life when He is not moving. There is no time in your life when He's not active. Jesus Christ is always on the throne. Please stand with me right now in the presence of God. For every season of life, 
the cross speaks to you. For every season of your life, the cross is relevant to your life. Before, a little earlier on today, I had a picture of one of the seven wonders of the world. And it is not the most powerful structure on earth. There is one structure that's more powerful than that. It's a structure that speaks to your past. It's a structure that speaks to your present. And it's a structure that speaks to your future. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's what sits on top of this building. The cross speaks to you no matter where you are in your life. You could be down and out. You could be sobering up right now. The cross is relevant to you. You could have been here for 50 years, 60 years. The cross is still relevant to you. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how accomplished you are. doesn't matter how many degrees you got against your name. doesn't matter how much money you make. The cross speaks to you. The cross is relevant to you. There are people here in this house right now. Maybe you're here for the first time or the second time. The cross is speaking to you here today. Because the first part of salvation is death. And death for us is acknowledgement that the path that we're on, the life that we're living, the things that we've done are not in line with the Word of God. And I'm going to turn away. I'm going to repent. I'm going to go 180 degrees the other, other direction. That is the first part. And I believe there are people here in this house today that need to repent. I mean, I've done it before. I'll tell you the first time I took the courage and walked out of my seat and I came down to those altars back in Brisbane. The moment my knees hit the ground, I began weeping. There was stuff inside of me. I didn't even know it was there. It was one of the most powerful moments of my life when I repented the weights came off of my shoulder as God began to reveal to me that there was a different path there was a new path there was a more prosperous path a righteous path the cross is speaking to some people here today that need to spend some time at this altar if you have repented the cross is also speaking to you because in the burial of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to be buried in the waters of baptism and His blood washes over us and washes us clean. If there are people here in the house here today and you've repented, but you've not been baptised, I'm here to tell you, it is the greatest thing that you can ever do where the blood of Jesus Christ washes you clean. When I first came to church, I said, why do these guys make such a big deal out of people jumping into a pool? It made no sense to me. I'll tell you why. It's a big deal because when people go down and in the waters of baptism, they are literally going down one creature and coming out a new creature. And there might be some people here today. You can be a new creature in Jesus Christ. The cross is speaking to you here today. And finally, maybe you have repented and maybe you have been baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. But the cross is also speaking to you here today. Because in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are given a picture of a God that overcame, a God that was victorious. And so some people here today, maybe you've been around the house of God for a while, but the issues of life have begun to bury you. You feel a little bit flat. Your spirit is not very strong. You're feeling the down and out. The cross is speaking to you because you can come down to this altar and call upon the name of Jesus and enact the Spirit of God inside of you. And you can leave these altars victorious. You can come down carrying offences and go back not carrying that same offence. Amen. The cross is speaking to you here today. There is not a single soul in this building that the cross does not relate to here today. So we're going to, in a moment, we're going to pray, but I want you to just think about who you are today, where you're at today, the life you're living today. 
And there will be an opportunity to respond to the cross which is calling out to you here today. Why don't you lift your hands right now? We're going to pray together. I would remind you here that this is, come on, hands lifted nice and high in the house. See, this is a sign of surrender. Gets the attention of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray as a body. There is power in corporate prayer. There are souls in this place that are feeling a pull of the Holy Ghost. I want to ask that you would respond to that pull here today and come down to this altar. Let's pray right now. Lift your hands and lift your voices with me right now. If you can speak in the Spirit, if you're a Spirit-filled apostolic, would you help create an atmosphere of praise, an atmosphere of faith being risen here? Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in Your presence. Come on. I can feel faith rising in this place here right now. I can feel dead bones reviving here today. I can feel flat spirits being rejuvenated here today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand here in Your presence, Lord God. We consider what You did at Calvary. We thank You for the sacrifice You gave. We thank You that You died, Lord Jesus, that You were buried, Lord God. We thank You for it because in that, Lord God, we can repent and we can be baptised in the name of Jesus. But Lord, today, we thank You that You rose again, that You overcame death, Lord God, because we have an opportunity, Lord God, to likewise overcome. I pray for every soul in this place, Lord God, that they would listen to your voice, that they would listen to what the cross would be saying to them, that they would respond by faith because you've called every single apostolic in this place to be called into your kingdom, to be born into your kingdom, to be a child of God. Come on, let's allow praise and worship to rise up in this place. It's it's okay. It's okay to open up your mouth here in this place because God wants to move to here in this place right now. If you're a new believer and you want to repent from your ways, if you want to turn around, if you want to say, Lord, I'm not going the same direction anymore. In a little moment, we're going to call you down to this altar. We're going to pray for you and I promise you that your life will never be the same. There may be some people here also, you have repented, but deep down you know, I gotta take that next step. I gotta get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I wanna tell you, I was baptized in about 10 degree water. We got 34 degree water over there. It doesn't get much more comfortable. You can be baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ. Your sins will be forgotten. Your sins will be removed. As far as the East is from the West, you can do it today. And for the rest of us, myself included, there are seasons, there are battles, there are situations, there are offences, there are difficulties, there are financial hardships, there are things going on all in this place. You can leave this place victorious if you would spend some time in the presence of Jesus, if you would allow the Holy Ghost inside of you to be mixed with a little bit of faith, God can move in your life here today. So every single saint of God in this place, let's lift our hand one more time. Let's lift up a shout of praise. Let's thank God for what He's about to do in this place because very soon there's gonna be an invitation for you to respond to the voice of God, to respond to what the cross would be saying today. And this altar will be made available for you. And I ask that you don't allow this opportunity to pass you by because God's presence is in this place. So right now, if you feel the Holy Ghost moving on you, I wonder if there are some brave and courageous people that want to spend some time at this altar here. I encourage you to come down. Our musicians and our singers are about to sing. But right now, there's nobody else in this room except you and Jesus. I want to ask right now if there are some people that want to respond to what the cross would be saying for you to come. Take a step out of your seat. We're going to spend some time at this altar. We're going to spend some time. It doesn't matter what your neighbor's doing. Your neighbor can sit there. It does not matter. Your neighbor cannot get you to heaven. Nobody can preach you to heaven. Nobody can encourage you to heaven. This comes down to you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. The cross is speaking. The Spirit of God is moving. 
There are a lot of apostolics standing in their seats right now. If your life is okay, that's fine. But for the people down here, the power of God is about to be released in your life. The Holy Ghost is about to move in your life. God is going to do a work in your spirit. If you're standing there and you know the Lord is speaking to you, respond to the voice of God. Because God is moving. That's it. There are people coming down right now. The Holy Ghost is here. The Spirit of God is alive here. If you're okay, would you come down? We're going to pray for some of these brethren right now. Let there be an atmosphere in this place where faith would rise. Thank you. Thank you for responding to the voice of God. We're going to pray for some of these precious brethren here right now. God is able to move here in this place. He's not done. He's not forgotten you. He knows where you're at. The Holy Ghost is here. There are miracle signs and wonders available here today. If you would respond to the voice of God, that's it. Come on. If you still feel the Holy Ghost, make your way down. It's not too late. God is drawing. God is speaking to you here today. As our musicians and singers lead us, let's spend some time in the presence of Jesus. God is here in this place.